0: Asia, the Middle East. These geographic locations are in the news every single day. A lot of people are tempted to look at what's happening in these areas with worry or fear. But God is not afraid and he's not worried. Asia and the Middle East represent huge
1: areas of opportunity for God to work. In 30 days, we actually confirmed 55,000 Farsi Bible distributions inside the country of Iran.
2: One of our callers, we discipled him. So they came to his house to confiscate his Bible and take him to prison. And this authority, this uh, guy, you know, who came to arrest him, the officer became Christian. It was so powerful.
3: Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Last week, here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we revisited some of the most meaningful moments from our broadcasts in 2016. This week, we're going to continue doing that. In a few minutes, we'll hear some of what the Lord is doing in Iran. But first, let's focus on Southeast Asia. Earlier this year, we heard from Brother Sian, who gave us one example of how God is calling people to himself
4: despite opposition. Okay, this village near Vietnam, November last year, God just came to the police chief man's wife and she became Christian without get permission from him.
0: <laughs>
4: yeah. So the, the wife of lady. the police chief yes.
0: became a believer. a yes,
4: believer. Her husband found out and then beat her and forced her and threat her to kill her but she still persisting. I will follow Jesus. No matter. You can kill me. I willing to die. Then he didn't know what to do. And he went to the head village. And the head village said, You have to be oppressing her more severely. Otherwise we will get trouble. You and I and the Communist Party member. So then he came back and beat her again and forced her again and tried to shoot her. But she still followed Jesus. Finally they took him, went to the district governor. And then report to him and told him all detail. And then the end, the district governor said, be Christian. Don't kill her. Don't do that. Then the world will condemn us. Wow. Now it's not like before. It's different. And he went back and he became Christian.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He joined his wife. Wow. Now he is following Christ and that whole village has been changed. Yes,
4: More than half. And you see the pictures, full there. And then about 30 families because of this lady.
0: Because one lady lady was courageous and would not give up her faith. Yes,
4: not give up. And then led 100 people to Jesus.
0: That's a gospel worker in Southeast Asia, Brother Sion. He's been showing us how God's Spirit can draw hearts to him even in the middle of intense opposition. Sometimes that opposition includes prison. Bob Fu knows that firsthand. He's the president of the China Aid Association and the author of an outstanding book called God's Double Agent. Earlier this year I asked him if he knew others were praying for him while he was in a Chinese prison. One of
5: the hardest thing for prison prisoner is uh, you don't know whether any people know about you're in prison and uh, you, you feel segregated from the fellow of body of Christ. So once you know that uh, oh, somebody is caring through different ways, either prayer, and it's just uh, so much kind of recharging. I mean, I still remembered God used an interrogator. He encouraged me one day when the interrogator said, Bawful, oh, many people are still caring about you. And <laughs> so that... Really lit up my eyes and my soul, and I feel oh, that means somebody are remembering me in their prayer. And uh, later on, of course, I even learned uh, somebody even deposited some money for my prisoner account and improved my prisoner life dramatically by getting some instant noodles. (laughs) And that was the best (laughs) meal, you know, because that gives you tremendous comfort not only the food, but really, you know, you are connected,
0: reconnected. That's Bob Fu reminding us how encouraging it is as a prisoner to know that you're not forgotten, that you aren't alone. The Voice of the Martyrs wants to help you reach out to those who are imprisoned for their faith. When you visit VOMradio.net, click on the tab at the top of the page that says Letters to Prisoners. That will take you to Prisoner Alert, where you can read stories of those who are currently being held for their faith and you can even mail letters of encouragement to them in prison. Again, to get involved, go to VOMRadio.net and then click on the tab at the top that says Letters to Prisoners. The Voice of the Martyrs also helps meet practical needs of those who are suffering for their faith. On one of the broadcasts earlier this year, Brother Sean told us about a man from Bangladesh who needed an important surgery. Brother Sean helps the Voice of the Martyrs meet the needs of our persecuted family overseas.
6: Well, back in 2004, I think it was December 31st, Stephen was just coming home from the market. He was a pastor, he kind of started a new work in an area where uh, Christianity had not made inroads. Some radical Muslims grabbed his hands, stuck a shotgun point blank to his jaw and uh, pulled the trigger and then stabbed him 11 times. Oh my. And then slit his throat. No way, Stephen should be alive today. But laying in a, in a in a pool of blood, you know, he said that the only thing he could think of at the time was, uh, "Lord, just give me back my mouth." Wow. And so we, uh, back in 2005, 2006, were able to to come alongside him and really get him the extensive surgeries and treatments that he needed, um, not only to. To save his life, but also all the nerve damage and repairs and things like that, and 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 Stephen's just—he looks great. I mean, that's what's amazing—is I—I'd I'd, never met him before, but to, to see him for the first time and to see him smile and to see a handsome man with uh, obviously some disfigurement, but just a, a beautiful smile, and uh, and still being able now to serve the Lord and to be able to do that relatively pain-free until just recently, but some of those surgeries are starting to to deteriorate, and he's needing some more help immediately. You know, it's such a pleasure to, to meet him. He was so excited that we would even show up and see him again. He was just so delighted. You know, he said, I, you guys gave me back my life, and I just, you did so much for me. I didn't think that I could ask for any more help. And the fact that now you're here offering to continue to walk with me was just such an encouragement.
0: I just think of the, absolutely, we want to help yeah. you. The other thing I think about though is what an incredible testimony he mm-hmm. must have mm-hmm. when he says listen they shot me in the face with a shotgun right. and slit my throat and stabbed me 11 times but I'm still here mm-hmm. You know, how do you explain that other than well, God must have huge plans for you, my friend, because otherwise there's there's no reason you should be alive.
6: Yeah, and that's you know, the, the statement he made to us was, you know, VOM gave me back my life, you know, and we just, I was like, brother, uh-huh. only 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 the Lord could give you back your life because <laughs> anybody who's shot with a shotgun and has their throat slit and stabbed multiple times, I mean that was it was a miracle of the Lord that He's alive. But I think what he means in that is we were able to give him back some of those things that allowed him to continue in ministry. He didn't just have to serve the rest of his life sort of on the sidelines, but he's been able to be actively involved in serving the Lord and has uh, seen a church planted in that village uh, again does have favor with locals because they know what he's gone through you know his, he's he's just a living testimony. you see the scars and and you see a man that suffered for christ and has suffered for what he believes in, and that's made an impact in in how he's been able to serve the Lord.
0: What a privilege to be able to come alongside that pastor in Bangladesh and serve him with that much-needed surgery. That pastor knows that following Jesus sometimes requires a high price. He was willing to go through getting shot and stabbed because he loved Jesus more than he loved his own life. That's an example for us to follow. You know, the same is true for Brother Samuel. When he shares Christ in Pakistan, he knows that he could be taking a
7: big risk. Basically, you know, when we are witnessing, like in that culture, you know, we know that anything happened at any time. You know, we know we are aware of the risks. We are aware of the threats. And we are aware anything could took place any any time. But we want to continue because we believe that God has placed us in that part of the world to be a light and salt. And we don't to miss our part. Even we lose our life, we want to reach out. We want to be a shine in this darker part of the world because we felt that God has called us to do. You know, God, God spoke to us and God said, this is for what I have made you. This is your call, this is your work. And we are so in peace with God while we are moving forward. It's moving, it's spreading. People are coming to the Lord.
0: As we review the highlights from Voice of the Martyrs Radio in 2016, I wanna take us to Turkey, one of my favorite countries in the world. Three gospel workers at a church in Turkey were martyred for their faith in 2007. Over the course of 2016, we have focused three episodes on Turkey, and we've met three different Christians who were affected in different ways by that attack. Let's hear some highlights from those episodes. First, here's Gokhan, a member of the church that was attacked. He tells us about Ur-Yuksel, one of the men who lost their lives
1: that day. Before one week, before, before the massacre, Uğur uh, told me there will be a very huge change for Turkish churches very soon. I asked him, what do you mean that? He said, I don't know, but there will be. Wow,
0: and that gives me chills. <laughs> a week before he was killed. Yes, yes. He said there's, there's going to be a big change for yes, the Turkish church.
1: Yeah. We wow. just talked in a youth group meeting. After the meeting, we are just getting a conversation, and he said, there will be a big change. There will be a big hammer, actually, he said.
0: Pastor Tim is now the pastor of that same church in Turkey where these three men were killed. He tells us about another church member who lost his life in that attack, Tilman Geski. He was a German man doing translation work in Turkey along with his wife, Suzanne.
8: Tillman had a translating company, and that company had been closed down by the government. And Tillman had started to talk to Suzanne and said, I feel like my time here is drawing to a close. And so he was working hard to sort of give his final words to the people he was discipling because he really felt like the Lord was moving them on. But Suzanne was like, she never felt that. She felt, no, you know, we need to be here. So it became a wow. point of family tension where Tilma was saying, you know, God is saying, you know, wrap things up. And she was saying, no, no. God's saying, stay, stay. And so when, when the killings happened, it was very clearly that, you know, God had prepared them for that in a way. Some of the workers in the city, their, their leadership, their elders told them, you are leaving. Whereas Suzanne, thankfully, was given the freedom to decide. But She didn't think she could stay there alone, and God provided other brothers and sisters who were able to come in and be with her during that time. And really, she was the anchor that held the church together. She planted a very big flag of this is what Christianity is. She said, you know, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. And that made the public TV and made the news all over Turkey. And a Turkish writer, not a Christian, but an Islamic writer said, this woman did more in one sentence than a thousand missionaries could do in a thousand years.
0: That's Pastor Tim from Turkey. He's telling us about the witness of Suzanne Geski who publicly forgave the young men who murdered her husband, Tilman. Najati Aydan, a pastor, was also killed in that attack in Malatia. His widow, Shemsa, remembers the time leading up to the attack.
3: He was discipling his um, murderer for three months, and before he died, before he killed we were talking together with him, and uh, he said to me, "I know their heart; they are as like Judas, and I'm not trusting them. But I don't want to run away from them because Jesus did not reject His Judas, and uh, just I will I will be careful to not stay alone with them. But He continued love them, and He never reject them. And at that day, He go to His job, and He was not waiting to." have them, but they just come for a cup of, of tea to spend time with my husband. But they come with uh, their knife and robe and the gun, and they act, um, they're searching for the truth. And at that day, they ask my husband if he liked like to meet another three men to uh, teach them about the gospel. And my husband accept them with their friend and they come to office, and uh, after a while, they started to torture him, and they s- they hit him on the ball, and he fell on the floor, uh, he was fainting, and they tried to kill him with the rope, and after a while, they cut his throat, and they killed him, but Nejati, he was, as I told you he was loving his people and even they are dangerous for him of course he know because his background uh, it was Islam and he know their heart and he know their hatred and uh, he was knowing they are threat for him
0: but he went anyway
3: He He not run away from them.
0: I love what you said. He he thought they might have a Judas heart, but Jesus didn't turn his back on Judas either. Yeah. Uh, And so the willingness to go that. Shemza, one of the amazing things about your story is is the ability to forgive. Uh, I think all of us who are here, and I think all of us who are listening uh, are just like, how could you possibly do that? Can you talk a little bit about that, how God enabled you to be able to forgive the people who took your husband from you?
3: When uh, I heard about that attack, uh, I was not ready to lose my husband. I was not uh, planning to uh, lay down my life for Christ. I was a weak person and an uh, uh, ordinary person. And I never practiced to face with that. But uh, only God's grace, he covered us after we heard uh, that attack. And immediately he gave us the forgiveness spirit as he was on the cross. And I never prayed to forgive them. I never struggled with it for nine years now. And I never worked on it to forgive them. Or the, that forgiveness never left us even one second. And we forgive them because the gift from heaven, and when uh, this kind of loss and attack happen, you cannot uh, do it by yourself, but only God can give you the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness from his uh, power. And that's why we forgive them.
0: That's Shemsa Aiden showing us the amazing power of forgiveness. She forgave the men who murdered her husband because she knew what it was to be forgiven by Jesus. After hearing a story like that, I think all of us can learn to be more quick to forgive those who wrong us. I hope that Shemsa's story inspires you to show the love of Christ to the people around you, even when they hurt you or they do wrong to you in some way. I'm Todd Nettleton, and this is Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're reviewing highlights from the program in 2016. For the rest of our time together today, we're going to talk about Iran, which happens to be the country with the fastest growing church in the world, according to our friends at Operation World. Dr. Sasan gave us an update on the church in Iran and the way believers there have learned joy even in the middle of their persecution.
9: Every time we have Western Christians, American Christians come meet with Iranian believers, the American believers are absolutely amazed with the joy, the courage, the hope that Iranian Christians have in their lives. Because for some mysterious reason, which has been going on (laughs) ever since the book of Acts, persecution, allows people to see the reality of the presence of Christ in the midst of their struggle. Christ meets them and comforts them and gives them courage and hope. So they learn to trust God more. They learn the power of Christ to forgive their enemies, to bless those who are cursing them and persecuting them. Jesus did say, blessed are you. And they received that blessing in terms of more empowerment to live by faith more empowerment to see Christ meet them where they are. I've had friends who have been healed from deep personal wounds, psychological wounds in their own personal life in prison because they were met by Christ in solitary confinement. That's one side of persecution you experience God in a more real way. You, don't, you can't trust your lawyers like in America. <laughs> you don't have lawyers to call. So Jesus has to come to your rescue. And so you learn to trust Jesus in a deeper way. So it creates resilience, perseverance, that uh, those are some of the beautiful fruit of the Spirit uh, as a result of persecution.
0: That's Dr. Sassen telling us about the joy our brothers and sisters in Christ experience in Iran even while facing persecution for their faith. Here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we brought you a story earlier this year about a young man from Iran who came to know the Lord. He was being discipled by a media ministry and often called in to talk with the host of a satellite TV and internet ministry. A woman named Nazanin works on the phone lines for this ministry, And she shared his story with us.
2: One of our callers, we discipled him. And he came to Christ. And one day, the authorities just barged into this house. A neighbor or a friend just uh, reported him. So they came to his house to confiscate his Bible and take him to prison. And when they came to his house, we called from Mahabat. We call to follow up, and this authority, this uh, guy, you know, who came to arrest him, he picked up a phone oh, wow. and he started cussing and he started, "How dare you! You have made this man a good man, uh, a, a pastor, and he's a unbeliever. He's going to hell." And so we did talk to this guy, and we said, "You can call us anytime. We will pray for you." And he did call us. And he, the, the the officer, he called us. And after, like, I, I think it, it took weeks, you know, for us to talk to him, disciple him, and uh, pray for him, he became Christian. The wow. officer, the officer became Christian. It was so powerful. We were all touched, you know, it was unbelievable, we couldn't believe it. I'm like, it is the work of Jesus.
0: You know, we thank the Lord for exciting testimonies like that one. The Lord is clearly doing something amazing in Iran, something that we don't always see on the evening news. You know, here at Voice of the Martyrs, we celebrate what God is doing in Iran, and we're working to send Bibles into the country in lots of different ways, audio Bibles, printed Bibles, and digital Bibles. As we continue to review highlights from Voice of the Martyrs Radio here in 2016, Dr. Mike Ansari shares with us about this initiative that's getting God's word to the people
1: in Iran. Most of these Iranians that are tech savvy are connecting to Facebook, Twitter, social media, despite the fact that in their country there is a very strong internet filter. So an average person cannot bypass Iranian filter and access, let's say YouTube. So uh, the question was uh, there has to be a way for these guys to be able to bypass it and they're connected. So uh, we we put together a campaign, a 30-day campaign to see if we could work with the partnership of various organizations that have the same vision and bring digital Bible to this new demographic of, of Iranian uh, youth that had never been exposed to Christianity. Uh, yet they're so tech-savvy that they're connecting to uh, to the West. And, and we did that. We did that for 30 days. I'm not going to get into the details, but I can tell you this, that in 30 days we actually confirmed 55,000 Farsi Bible distributions inside the country of Iran.
0: That's Dr. Mike Ansari talking about the work he's doing along with the Voice of the Martyrs To share God's word with the people of Iran and people there are desperate for the truth. They're desperate to have a Bible. Two young women, Miriam and Marzia, illustrate that truth so well. They were locked up in the notorious Evan prison in Tehran for sharing their faith in Christ. In this very dark place, they found something very surprising, a Bible. They call it a gospel.
10: We didn't have gospel in prison and for a long time there was some trash under the beds and the person who was in charge of the room asked me to go and clean, uh, take uh, those boxes and uh, throw it away. And when I took the box, it was full of trash and I just curious to search if I can find something and suddenly I found the gospel. It was gospel of uh, Luke and I was shocked. I found the gospel here in prison, it's, it's impossible very fast I uh, hide it and I went to my bed and when I opened it I saw a signature, signature. Uh, in that book. It was uh, from uh, a bishop. bishop. Yeah, uh, It was bishop. from a bishop who was in prison years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, ten About, I think, uh, ten, years, ten ago, years ago. And it was very interesting for me because he uh, he was a man and this gospel I found it in women's uh, wards. And I was thinking how this gospel came to women's womenwards and it was from uh, ten years ago, and after that I share this with Mariam and we both, uh, we were so thirsty to read Bibles because for a few months we didn't have Bibles and we both read it. Then we pass it to other prisoners because we evangelize them. And I remember at that time I, I talked to one uh, one of my uh, friends and she, she had this passion, this uh, wishes to read Bibles, to see Bibles. And uh, she was talking to me about this, I wish I could uh, see a Bible and when I gave her to read it she was shocked too and she would just start uh, crying and uh, after that we asked them to pass uh, each other to read uh, that gospel and it was really a miracle.
0: We've been hearing the story of Miriam and Marzia imprisoned 259 days in Iran for sharing their faith in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to go back and listen to Miriam and Marzia's full story, which is amazing. You can do that when you go to vomradio.net. You can listen to every past episode of Voice of the Martyrs Radio, including all the guests that you heard today on this best of 2016 version of the program. You can also subscribe to the VOM Radio podcast so you never miss an episode of VOM Radio. Again, all that is available on our website, vomradio.net. And while you're there, hey, send me a comment about which of the stories this week most inspired you as you launch into 2017. I want to wish you a very happy new year. I hope you're excited about what God is going to do in your life and through you in the lives of others in 2017 We want to encourage you and inspire you every week throughout 2017. And I hope you'll be back for more inspiration next week here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.